0: Alan Ngari is uh, with uh, the uh, Human Rights Watch, Africa Advocacy Director, and the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch. Thank you so much for joining us here on Ubuntu. Uh, really a pleasure for you to be part of the program.
1: Pleasure always, as usual, tell you to be here with your listeners as well.
0: Let's locate the ICJ, the Inter- uh, International Court of Justice. Uh, what is this court and what is it about?
1: The International Court of Justice is the principal court of the United Nations. It was established by the UN Charter in 1945 um, it's located in The Hague, and we must distinguish it from the International Criminal Court. It is not. It is a different court, and it essentially looks at states, so disputes between states. Um, and you already mentioned the Genocide Convention, uh, and any challenges on that convention, states can bring it up to a court, and the court that we're referring to here is the International Court of Justice. So it's the highest court at the UN level.
0: In terms of uh, its um, members as well, any uh, member of the United Nations is the member of the court.
1: That's right. No exception. All members of uh, the United Nations agree by virtue of uh, signing and ratifying the UN Charter to be bound by the decisions of the International Court of
0: Justice. Mm. Does that include observer state like um is um Palestine as, as you were as an observer state because Palestine is not a full member of the United Nations but an observer state?
1: Yes, indeed. So it's an observer state, but even as an observer state. Uh, The spirit of the UN Charter is still one that one is bound by. There are rules in international law that say that um, the spirit of a treaty cannot be, um, you cannot renege on the spirit of a treaty and hope to benefit from it at the same time. So, for example, uh, Palestine might want to benefit from a decision from the International Court of Justice. It cannot renege. It cannot um, go against any provision of of the Charter, including decisions by the ICJ.
0: Uh Are you surprised somehow um, or what do you make of South Africa's decision to um, process these proceedings uh, against um, Israel on the issue of uh, um, genocide in uh, Gaza? Um, As South Africa, what was the legal basis that South Africa felt um, from um, its point of view to institute this uh, proceeding?
1: Mm. A good question Um, and one, of course, that uh, a number of uh, South Africans and people around the world have been asking on what basis would South Africa institute a case against Israel, which is so far away from from South Africa. But uh, just to say that this case is is really seminal. Um, it's the first time that Israel will get to um, be, has gone before an in, an independent and impartial tribunal. That is the ICJ itself. To respond to these concerns of atrocities that have happened since October 7th, uh, last year. You'll remember, Tali, that, um, in, on, on 7th October, Hamas, uh, which is a, a terrorist organization, um landed uh, with its paragliders um in a scene it was a music event uh, a number of israeli citizens were were killed some were abducted some are still um uh, kidnapped and and under hostage under hamas and after that israel then uh, retaliated and said that they're going against uh, uh, hamas or going for hamas and to try and liberate um, its, uh, its 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 citizens, unfortunately, um, the, this escalation of, of conflict has gone beyond that which uh, would would be, would be reasonable under international humanitarian law. Um, countries really condemned, and a number of them condemned the attacks of October seventh by Hamas, but very few countries actually came to um, to condemn some of the excesses of the Israeli government. But South Africa uh, did not keep quiet. In fact, uh, you already mentioned um, the decision of December 8th uh, last year that the ICJ proceeding should happen. But before that, we saw statements from Minister Pando. We saw statements from President Ramaphosa uh, condemning the acts of, of Israel. So let me stop there, just in case you have any other further questions. We can I can speak at length in, in these issues, but uh, I want to be guided by your questions, please.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, in terms of um, what South Africa focus on, it feels that, um, you know, there were genocide um, incident or intent of genocide, so now that the case has been argued, really, we're speaking after the case, has been argued. Um, in terms of genocide, um, please, for the benefit of our listeners as well, what do we mean by genocide and um, in relation to what has been happening in Gaza? Yes. So genocide,
1: essentially in 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 relation to the 1948 Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide, which we will call Genocide Convention going forward, has essentially two elements. The first is um, acts committing certain acts, and those acts include killing. Or deliberately inflicting conditions on a population or a group of people, um, calculated at ending their, their their existence as a people. So that is the act, and then there is what is called an intent, uh, really important and actually very difficult to prove in any court of law. Um, in legal terms, they call it dolus specialis, uh, special intent, which is to destroy in whole. Or, in part, a national, a political, an ethnic group, so uh, as such, so those are the two most important elements of 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 genocide, the act itself as well as the special intent
0: mm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and from, from what has been argued, I mean, let's look at uh, what came out uh, from uh, the case as well. South Africa's, uh, in, uh, if one has to analyze what has come out from the media, was that um, it did put a compelling case in terms of deliberating the statements that have been made by uh, leaders, uh, political leaders in, in um, Israel that uh, definitely showing evidence but also repeated by the soldiers on the ground as well i mean look just opposed to what um, israel has put now um against that important effects that were presented by south africa what do you make of uh, the the arguments made by south africa and the response by israel in case Mm -hmm. i know there has been a lot of um we can't do it in five minutes but just in summary
1: Yes, actually, what's important is to actually distinguish between what happened on Thursday, Friday, uh, 11th, 12th of January, which were hearings around what are called provisional measures, which are just in there. If you think about a a national court, um, if you want to stay proceedings, if you want to, to, to keep issues, to freeze matters to be as they are, You'd seek what is called an injunction, so um, colloquially this is what a a provisional measure is, and that's what the hearings of the eleventh and twelfth were about. so they were not really about them uh, the 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 merits of the case, which will be heard a lot later. Um, we are still waiting to hear the timeline from the court on that but on the basis of what happened on 11th and 12th it was clear that both south africa and israel responded to the issues the application by south africa i must say was extremely well argued Um, the, the the written submissions were very well articulated and as I'd mentioned, genocide has those two components: um, the act and, and intent. And what what uh, the South African lawyers were were really trying to do is to show um, how how these uh, genocidal um, uh, intents and actions actually happened. And they spoke to a number of issues: the statements that were issued by the Prime Minister, the President, the Defence Minister of Israel, to 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 that indicate an intent. And we. Which intent the, the the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, acted on. Um, uh, one very important one that that comes to mind is a statement by the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu. Who, who spoke to the biblical reference of Amalek and the destruction of Amalek by, by Israel and the Israeli defense forces by really attacking civilians in Gaza were chanting and one video really uh, showed this uh, on, on Thursday last week uh, on the 11th, um, the, the celebration by the IDF when, uh, and, and quoting Amalek and saying that they, they have destroyed or they are destroying um, the Palestinians. So that was, that was what Came out from from the from the South African side, um, very strong arguments. The Israelis um, also had their their lawyers come up and speak to some of these issues. Um, I must say they were not as um, as finessed in terms of responding to some serious allegations, such as the indiscriminate attack of civilians, which really are war crimes, and we must distinguish that from genocide. But also just that um, they 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 kept referring to Hamas um, very many times, um, which you know we must make a distinction that while they were um, while the Israeli Defense Forces were trying to avert and respond to the October seventh attacks that we spoke about by Hamas, it does not justify any uh, genocidal genocidal acts. And I think that is where um, we might see that the Israeli lawyers were not able to to really speak to directly.
0: When you look at the the court itself now mm-hmm. do you think this is historic and has South Africa has done something like this before South Africa has not done this before but you know let's maybe let's talk
1: about why South Africa is so concerned um and I think it's important and for it's listeners concerned. to be to be sure about why why this this came uh, to be You'll recall that um that, that South Africa um you know the ANC at the time during apartheid uh received quite a lot of support from the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Um and at the time um the, the 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 South African government, the apartheid government at the time had very strong relations with the Israeli with the Israeli government. Now all this is just um information, it doesn't really speak to the case, but you can sort of understand where South Africa is coming from in terms of its allegiance. Um, we have historical statements and 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 pronouncements that have been made even by the late uh, President Mandela in support of uh, the Palestinian cause, and this has gone on into 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 the NC government uh, uh, to date. Um, but what's most important, and I think the main reason why South Africa is so concerned, and which the application puts very well, is that in the world of international law, there are categories of law. And some some laws are, are so fundamental that it binds all countries, and there are no exemptions or exceptions to this. One such law is the prohibition of genocide. Um The genocide is so grave that every state has a responsibility to ensure that this terrible crime does not happen and if it does that there is accountability that comes with it so you remember in the past we, in the continent we have seen um uh, genocide against the tutsis in 1994 um and and very little action happened from states and so to see a country such as south africa standing up against uh, what is likely to be to be genocide and of course not preempting as you say the decision of the court on this and by the way, the issue around genocide will only be decided at the merit stage, and the judgment for that may come years years from now. But 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 the the, the point is that South Africa is standing up against what um, what what and really complying with its obligations under the Gen- the Genocide Convention. But South Africa is not the only country that has done that most recently. The Gambia also did the same um, in 2021 when uh, they said the, mass- the, the, the the genocide that was happening against the Rohingya in, uh, in, in, in Myanmar um, really should be brought to the world stage. And a country so far, the Gambia, far away from Myanmar, brought Myanmar to the International Court of Justice. So it's not the first time that the International Court of Justice has heard such a case of a country that seems to be so far away from the issue, but what is the first is for South Africa to stand up against um, genocide happening in another part of the world.
0: What does this mean now for South Africa at an international stage? Multiple, even powerful countries that have seemed to be supporting Israel's right to defend itself in whatever whatever way is doing that. And there are Mm -hmm. countries that have uh, declared allegiances to South Africa's um, initiative as well. Openly so. What would this mean now for South Africa at a global stage now?
1: Right. So let's just um, also make it clear that any state that tries to defend um, uh, 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 an attack um, and commits genocide Is not justified in international law. That's that's very clear. So let's just put that statement out there. So any support for any retaliation to serious attacks, which are genocidal in nature, like we had mentioned on that um, the levels of law um, that is not allowed in international law. As to South Africa's standing, and this is where I might disappoint you, Tali, and your, your listeners, I don't have such good um, uh, uh, things to say about um, South Africa's uh, position on this, while we are celebrating what it is doing and bringing up this, uh, this case of the ICJ. We really hoped as Human Rights Watch that South Africa would stand up for um, other human rights violations that are going on on the African continent. And I will give one example, um, the situation in Sudan. As you know, this is a conflict that has been going on since April 15th last year. Uh, the extent of crimes really are international crimes, very much similar to that which we are seeing at uh, before the discussion at the International Court of Justice. We are seeing the war crimes, um, this sexual violence against uh, civilians, and yet we have not seen South Africa take on um, a, a position um, as audibly as it has, as verbally as it has as uh, seminally as it has before the ICJ on the Israel-Palestine issue, and this is the type of leadership that we are hoping South Africa is going to bring to to, to the continent in in 2024. It has demonstrated that it will stand up for what is right. It has historically done so. But, uh, we are urging that the South African government will equally take, uh, steps to, to stand up for human rights violations in the continent. Sudan being, uh, for, first and foremost for us but also the crisis in the Sahel. Um, the Ethiopian crisis is still ongoing. And while South Africa took a really important role in brokering the peace deal between the Ethiopian government and the Tigrayan People's Liberation Front, uh, there are still issues that are outstanding in Ethiopia, which I think South Africa should take a stand on.
0: Let's talk about now, would this be a step, you want to see more, a, start, a a step in the right direction for the country, but you need more we want to see more of this, this as South Africa prides itself to say its foreign policy really is vested in the Africa's interest.
1: Absolutely. And one opportunity that South Africa can take is its seat at the United Nations Human Rights Council. As one of um, the the members in that council, um, and one of few African members in that council, uh, we really believe that South Africa can take a leading role, uh, not just coalescing the African uh, group of states before the council, but also just um, at, at that platform, at that stage of the Human Rights Council, that it can be more vocal, it can stand up for for uh, a number of issues. Like I mentioned, with the Sudan crisis, we now have a fact-finding mission that was established in October last year by the Human Rights Council. And thankfully, South Africa did vote in favour of this. But we need these sorts of actions from South Africa at that world stage to be able to make a difference for human rights on the continent.
0: Um, from a Human Rights Watch perspective, globally, are you seeing that now countries are taking human rights as really uh, uh, central is is the issue of human rights really taking center center stage what are you seeing globally as well as a trend are you seeing that human rights conversation and the issue of human rights are gaining momentum as far as issues of economic imperatives post-covid are concerned as well where's the direction as far as human rights is concerned yeah
1: Um, It's very interesting you mentioned this, and uh, we, as Human Rights Watch, released our World Report uh, 2024, which looks at, um, all the countries in the world that we are working on. And that's over 100 countries looking at the state of human rights in the year 2023. And a, a growing trend that we have seen um, in 2023 and your, your listeners are more than welcome, uh, to, to actually log on to our website, www.hrw.org and search for World Report 2024 where we actually give a blow-by-blow on each country on the status of human rights and recommendations on what needs to change. Uh, But on to your question as to the, 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 the general trends, we are actually seeing a decline in uh, human rights protections on civilians, whether we are talking about um uh, elections and, you know, there's been a number of elections in 2023, a number of them coming up in 2024, including in South Africa. But in Africa, generally, I mean, we are seeing other countries, Botswana, Mauritius, Mozambique, Namibia, also going into elections. But the trends that we are seeing is that there is, uh, there is less and less protections on human rights issues. But also, globally um, onto your question is that, you know, we have to really link a number of these violations to the situations that are going on. Last year was the hottest year in the planet and talking about hot, it's very hot also here in Johannesburg. It's, <laughs> <That's laughs> <really laughs> well. um, yeah. it's, it's, it was the hottest year in 2023. And I think the climate crisis and some of the issues that are related to human rights violations, the movement of people, now people seeking economic and social cultural rights, um, the contestations of spaces, civil spaces, these are issues that 2024 is really going to bring to the fore. And we really need to align this and put them together So all these meetings, the G77 The G20, all these global platforms We need to reflect on these issues Holistically, not just Looking at them from a siloed perspective How has the climate crisis impacted On human rights concerns Or the capacity of states to ensure The protection of human rights Elections, etc um, All these need to speak to each other And states need to be really um, uh, really, um, re- really look into this As, as one holistic issue
0: Mm. let's let's conclude our conversation now i mean uh, it's it, it i'm going to actually go to the um human rights uh, watch to also see what's um what some of the reflection as far as south africa is concerned but also particularly con- countries um just neighboring us be losu zimbabwe and other even mozambique uh, countries that are within uh, the the border of south africa that are having all these challenges political politically and also economically as well to, to say how far are they, as far as the issues of human rights are concerned, and those number of countries that have been going to elections? We have seen troubles, as far as Cuba are concerned in, in in Africa, and it's been um, an ongoing, um, quite recently, worrying for a number of, uh, um, worrying for many of, of of us. Now, let's conclude um, this case uh, in terms of um, what it will mean for other countries. Is it opening doors for other countries to say? Wait a minute. We are also um, uh, members of this important court. There are other can- the other countries that are going through so many troubles and nothing is being done. Mm-hmm. the The UN does not have the enforcement um, uh, mandate, um, so to speak, or the the, uh, the 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 brigade, so so to speak. When if a decision is made by the court and it is not respected, right, and UN really prides itself by its members, really abiding by the international rules that they have become members for, or signatory to, um, what would this mean for international governance, for global governance, um, if there's a defiance on international uh, humanitarian law and international law in general? is mm. this going to lead to um a global disorder as we might know what else we might experience it in the future as we conclude
1: yeah that's a really really big question um how to make uh that's
0: why it's a, that's why it's a large <laughs> question <laughs> how
1: to make a circle a square or a square a circle all right um look enforcement has always been a challenge in international law and especially because um and let's just talk about the international court of justice and whatever comes up of of these provisional measures and we're expecting actually a decision in the next 30 days from the from the from the hearing the end of the hearing on the 12th so in terms of enforcement let's say they make uh, the judges make a decision um against Israel which is that the provisional measures um, are that you do not um continue hostage facilities in, in in Gaza um, will israel abide by this uh decision is there enforcement on the part of the icj i think um you know what we have seen in the past is um countries that actually come before the court and we spoke about this at the beginning in terms of uh, are you bound by a decision and you accept the jurisdiction of the court israel does but by the fact that they actually appeared before them the court and and made the submission it does indicate um a, a modicum of, of of their willingness to abide by the decision decision of the court. In the event they don't, what happens? Well, the UN Charter does talk about the Security Council uh, of the UN being able to um, come up with a binding resolution uh, on enforcement. Uh, But there, you know, we also have a challenge in terms of the composition and the politics of of, of the Security Council. Uh, And so it might not be possible uh, with some certain support that Israel gets at the Security Council of the UN uh, for a binding resolution to come through. But the point here is that a statement would have been made, a decision would have been made by the court on these issues, enforcement of uh, of, of 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 decisions by Courts, Look, we also have to talk about enforcement in terms of um, uh, what the UN can do. Um, yeah. You know, we are asking that, and there has been a number of special rep- uh, um, rapporteurs, um, uh, fact-finding missions, uh, which have been looking into the issues in Israel-Palestine over a number of years. Uh, and but but also another key and important one being the international criminal court we certainly don't have much time to talk about this, but uh there is an open investigation by the prosecutor of the court looking into the conduct of um Hamas specifically or that, that we hear looks into that that conduct so they, there's a lot of issues that could happen in terms of trying to deal with the issues on the ground. We just need um the state uh, of Israel to to be a bit more open even in terms of of humanitarian um aid to to the people in in Gaza. So um maybe just to conclude and say that it is uh, an, an important question on enforcement of decisions we are not yet there uh, at this point in time uh, as to what the decision of the court would be and the enforcement of that decision but ultimately what the, what the, um, the the statute of the ICJ uh, court says is that all parties must abide by by those by the ruling of the court.
0: Alan Gari is the Africa um, Advocacy Director at uh, in the Africa Division for Human Rights Watch. He's speaking to us from Johannesburg, really a pleasure for him to join us here on Ubuntu uh, to speak to us on this important case. Also, the work of the ICJ, its work, its limitations, but also will the decision be um, binding? Will, will, will it's binding, but will it be followed as well as the court decide? So. We wait and see. Thank you so much for your time.